Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I'm Samantha Chang, and tonight I am joined by Justin Morissette. You can find him on Twitter at Justin Morris, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-O-R-I-S. How are you tonight, Justin? Uh, always better when the team wins, Sam, even though I feel like we'd probably have more fun tonight uh, had they <laughs> lost. So maybe I'm totally wrong about that. I think we'll have fun either way. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. If you are just catching up, the Canucks beat the defending cup champions four to three in ball arena in Colorado. Spencer Martin gets to five, one and one on the season. Uh, I said on Friday uh, to Lachlan when he was on after the Kings game, I said, I think the Canucks will beat the Avs because what they usually do is they win the games that I think they should lose like against the Avs. Mm-hmm. And they blow the games that I think they should win, which means they'll probably lose to the Sharks next week. I, I also thought that they were going to win this game and said so. Uh, you know, I, I unfortunately can't publicly point to a prediction here, but I privately said to uh, a bunch of my media friends on Monday that I felt like they were going to win the game tonight. Be- because look at it from a Colorado perspective too, right? Like the Canucks coming into town with the start that they've had to the year is the perfect letdown game for them as well. Like as much as we harp on the Canucks for having letdown games and games that they should win. And certainly that's been a, a problem throughout this year. Like that happens to every team throughout the entire season. And it often happens to teams that you think you're going to have an easy time against, which who is that right now, if not Vancouver, right? Like yeah. maybe Buffalo. <laughs> but even that, the Sabres are good again now. Yeah, the Sabres this, have this been good this season. Again. The Sabres have been good this season. Okay, before we get into our first segment, I want to shout out uh, Sports Interaction. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Football continues, basketball is back, and the hockey season is well underway. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Ontario only 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Okay. You know, we're both saying that we thought they were going to win this game. We should have bet on it. I know. We should have. But you know what? If I did that, I bet you they would have lost. That's that's how things work for me. Butterfly flapping its wings that completely changes the game results. Everyone say thank you to us for not betting. (laughs) um okay so somebody said to start in the chat i think they said if you can beat the cup champions this way why can't they beat every other team this way and i want to say you you said before we hopped on that they played a responsible game tonight and i think that's that's a great point but what else no go for it well, I, I feel like, you know, and sometimes that's not the sexy thing to do because responsible hockey, the way I am intending it in that statement, certainly the way they played throughout the third period when they took the lead is boring hockey, is safe hockey. It's playing keep away in the final minute when you're on the power play and don't need to press for one more. You need to get the two points. That's what's more important, right? Like that was kind of the ethos from the moment that they took the lead tonight. And one of the things that I talked about right before we took to the air was the fact that a a big quote that jumped out at me the other day, uh, other than, you know, Bruce Boudreaux at practice yesterday saying that he'd rather be playing a junior team tonight than the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Outstanding quote, one of his finest of the season. Uh, Elias Pettersson talking about the fact that, and I don't know if this was after practice yesterday or in the post game on Monday, talking about the the need for this team to 
become more comfortable, more relaxed playing with the lead. And he kind of stopped himself from going further on that because I feel like he is very careful with his words and not as interesting as he could be anymore, unfortunately. But I understand it because what he's kind of driving at is not something that you necessarily want to say about your own team in public, which is that we struggle when we are in control. When As soon as we are in control of the game, we are no longer in control of it because we panic when we should be relaxed. And tonight they were relaxed. And if they can be that more often, you know, I, it's really easy to scoff when someone like Justin Bourne, who no offense to Bourne, I think he's a great guy, goes on the intermission and frustrates probably a lot of fans locally by saying, there's so many great pieces here. Why is anyone saying that they should blow this thing up? Other than the fact that this team just finds a new way to blow it every single season, why would you stick with them? Yeah, he is right on some level that there are a lot of good pieces here. That to blow as many leads as they have blown this year, you need to be able to take them in the first place. There, there are signs here that show that maybe this is not as far off as, as the results in the early part of the season maybe said that they were. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know, like... Tonight, they played with a level of responsibility, but they also got goaltending that bailed them out when they couldn't be that responsible. And unfortunately, that's something that Thatcher Demko probably has not been able to ride uh, as regularly as they need it from him. Yeah, you you really uh, hit, I think, every single highlight theme of the season so far, which is I'm waiting any, like, I am certain that tonight somebody is going to be like, well, they hit seven wins earlier than they did last year. So that's an improvement, which... The bar, the bar is like subterranean. So please don't go around saying that. Um, mm -hmm. So first of all, yes, they played a responsible game. They should, they should be there. You know what scares me about this? What scares me about this is that this is the exact type of run that you start to go on where you're like, yeah, the pieces are there. They should be better. It was the start of the season that was misleading. I am going to forget that the last eight years have happened. <laughs> yes. I'm exactly. going to forget that. Connor Bedard is on the table. Well, even even if they had got blown out tonight, even if they lost like 5-1, there would still be people in this market, Sam, that just based on the fact that they scored as early as they did, Ilya Mikheyev putting them up one nothing, 21 seconds into the first period, that the, the, that would have been enough for like at least a handful of people in the city to be like, aha, look at that. They struck first against the reigning cup champs. I knew they were good, even though I've just, you know, tried to make the case that maybe this team is not as crap as it has appeared on the whole overall so far this, pro this year. The problem is that the issues right now, like they've shown, I think already this management group that the, that the overall structural problems with the roster can be chipped away at, you know, I think a lot of people think that a big swing trade to land a top four defenseman feels impossible, but look how they won tonight. A goal from Ethan bear. What did Ethan bear cost? Well, maybe a lot when you factor in the moves that they had to make to make space to bring him in in the first place, but not very much for what you'd think it costs to get a top four defenseman, right? Like you can make moves like that. The problem is to really take the next step. They need to make dynamite moves like just finding a way to eject Oliver Ekman Larson into the sun and nobody's going to take that contract. <laughs> so like as, as much as you can chip away at some of the problems, the key issues in terms of salary commitment seem so large that I do still see the appeal in kind of wanting to blow it up too. Right. You know? The anchors are still there. Okay. Yeah. Biggest story of the night. I think you and I agreed was that tonight was a revenge night. 
what did you what did what was your takeaway of, about the revenge game well i i thought it was going to be coming from jason megna you know i see that he gets the call up from colorado's ahl team today uh he wound up playing eight minutes and 20 seconds total as a fourth liner was not that noticeable but it was entirely low event hockey while he was on the ice which is what you want i guess from a call up like that but i'm just thinking of him as like the unlikely line mate of the Sedines, the Willie Desjardins favorite, who's going to come out and be like, look, I was something all along. Willie D was right. No, it wasn't him. He was not the guy who did that. It was Sheldon Dries of the Abbotsford Canucks, who's, of course, played a number of games at this point, but uh, played about 12 minutes tonight, including near nearly two on the power play. And uh, you know, he, he got the goal after the power play expired, was very good, I thought, overall. And he's, of course, playing against his former team. But I forgot, Sam, you had to remind me right before we took the air that Sheldon Dries is not the only Canuck on the roster playing a revenge game against the Avalanche because there was another key contributor who has ties to Colorado as well. Yeah, great. Another great night for Spencer Knight, who can't... uh, for. Spencer Martin. I keep saying Spencer Knight. Every time I say Spencer, the automatic name that comes out is Spencer Knight. Spencer Martin. It's because, it's because he's been playing so dang well lately. Yeah. You think he'd be taking 12th overall. Exactly. Uh, Spencer Martin, drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, and comes back again 5-1-1. One, and one. The Canucks just don't lose in front of him very often. Yeah, and that is getting weird, right? Like, as much as... I know we're going to save the the goaltending controversy topic for a little bit later in the show, but but it is kind of strange in terms of the way that they played tonight. We talk about that calmness, that control, that maturity sort of in their game in the third period that wasn't there at all on Monday. How much of that is an internal belief that you've seen Spencer Martin make key saves? Like, look, they got scored on on that five on three. But that could have blown the game wide open, and it did not because Spencer Martin made some really big stops, even though McCarr did get the goal that put them up 3-2, to two, right? Like, he made some really big saves tonight and was pretty good on the whole, I thought. And, and that's, a, that's a gutsy call as well from Bruce Boudreau to look at this schedule because they're playing back-to-backs this weekend. It's yeah. not like you needed to rest uh Thatcher Demko heading into the weekend he's gonna have now assuming he plays Vegas again on Saturday four days off in between games uh and then and then it it doesn't it feel like they're sort of treating like Spencer Martin like he's the number one right now and 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 I guess I kind of understand it even if I also disagree with it at the same time yeah like are we on to a 1a 1b situation now which is not something i would have predicted coming into this season you know like thatcher demko has been unbelievably good the last few seasons and arguably has covered up a number of the defensive flaws this team has had and just by playing average below average hockey this year you know it's it's a lot of what have you done for me lately which fair or unfair he was he was fantastic on Friday against Los Angeles. Uh, you know, thirty-seven shot stops on thirty-eight shots, and for half the game, we'll say on Monday against Vegas was great as well. He made twenty-two saves in a row to keep them in a one-nothing lead until it all collapsed down the stretch. Five goals on the last uh, sixteen shots, really technically six on seventeen because of the camera lens one that got waved off a real stunning collapse, but I I also have a hard time. I know some of the goals were hold your nose stinky for sure, but 
So was the Canucks defensive coverage all night on Monday. I have a hard time pinning that result solely on Thatcher Demko. And if it was me, if I'm Bruce Boudreaux, I would want to build Thatcher's confidence right now because I do think ultimately he's the guy who's going to take you as far as you're going to go this year. Uh, no disrespect to Spencer Martin. So, uh, you know, I would have gone back to to Demko and try to build up some confidence, but maybe you're trying to spare him a shellacking against the former Stanley Cup champions and look what happens here tonight instead. All right, we're going to come back to the goaltender issue in the third segment because I want to get everyone riled up over a goaltending controversy. Um, in our second segment, Justin Justin came on and Clay, Clay is in the chat. You're going to love this. He, he's already said you're now part of the uh, the GLC PC. Uh, Justin came on and said, he thinks this team has turned the corner. I, I, did. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe an I exaggeration. Have to, I have to defend myself on some level because, like, look, like, like I've said over the course of the show already, there are a lot of pieces firing right now. They do have a lot of guys who are scoring at a high level. They are putting themselves in leads. Yeah, they've blown seven of them, and that's crazy. When a team has only done that nine times is the most over the course of an entire season and they've already done it seven or 20 games in that's unbelievable yes appalling stats historic badness and we saw that to start the year last year too but you need to be scoring to be in that position in the first place and i told you tonight uh before we got on the air here during the game sam these two teams came into the night this evening tied in goals four per game which, you, it actually blew my mind when you told me that. I was shocked. Nuts. It's just we don't appreciate that because the Avs are still stingy defensively. And when they score those goals, they win those games. Whereas the Canucks are were seventh in the league in goals for per game are probably higher than that now, having won the game and distanced themselves from the Avalanche by scoring one more tonight. They are 30th in the league in goals against per game, which is why the fact that they're scoring all these goals doesn't seem to matter ultimately. But if you can tweak that, if you can tighten up, if you can improve your defensive play, which heck may involve making a coaching change as well, as much as I like Boudreaux, like we have to accept that some of these issues are systemic beyond just the actual players that you're sending out there. Like, I don't know how much a different coach is going to be able to get out of you know, some of the plugs that are on this back end, but the team has no defensive structure really either, or some of their players certainly don't play like they have it anyway. <laughs> um, exactly. So, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I did feel like they played great uh, on Friday against Los Angeles for half the game, uh, uh, you know, maybe even two thirds of it on Monday. They played really, really well against one of the best teams, a top three team in the league right up there with Boston, right up there with New Jersey. That is how good Vegas has been this year. And if they had hung on to that 4-2 lead, if they had been able to win that game, and then they win this game tonight, well, suddenly we're talking about a team that has really turned it around after their early season struggles. But that one collapse, you, you know, even though it's the seventh of the season, and that is really the story more so than that one game, if they had hung on to that lead, we are certainly talking about them in a very different tone, even despite the fact that they just beat the reigning cup champions. I want, I want to hear from the chat. Do you guys think the Canucks have turned the corner? I, I would tend to agree with Justin, and I think I've been I've been very on the record saying what I want them to do is set an all-time record for losing. I want <laughs> I want Connor Bedard. I want Adam Fantilli. I want Matthew Mitchkov. Like, give me a game-changing player. I am sick of just, like, Daniel Wagner. Pass it to Bulis tweeted tonight. 
that <laughs> he said Bo Horvat, I think I'm paraphrasing. Bo Horvat is going to win the Rocky Richard and the Canucks are going to finish roughly in 11th or 12th and they're going to draft 11th or 12th. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the most Canucks thing that could happen is we're just going to skate right into the middle, be that bubble playoff team again, wildcard team. And just not, you know, like, look, I, I hate to say it. The, the reason the Avs managed to do it was they had a terrible season and they got Kel McCarf. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that's what happened. So. That's the way it's done. That's oh, how someone says, okay, Lucas says I'm a pessimist. Yes, I am. I, I would, I don't know that I'm a pessimist. I would say I am a realist. Because I think this team actually is exactly good enough to be right on the bubble of making the playoffs. What I want from this team is greatness. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see it. I do actually agree with you. I agree they've turned the corner. They've turned the corner back into the team that I thought they could be at the start of the season, which was a team who is not as bad as they were. But but they're not good. Good enough. Exactly. And, And I agree with you that I don't necessarily think that they are. I do. I felt like. And, and I mean, everybody felt like this, if they're being deeply honest, even the people who like JT Miller probably felt like they could undo a lot of the damage done by short-sighted moves over the course of the last eight years by making the most obvious move possible this offseason. And that was shipping out their most valuable piece coming off a season that he's never going to match again in his career to recoup as many assets as possible and try to set yourself up for the direction that this team is going in instead of tying an anchor around the young core really before they can blossom. And even having felt that the Miller contract was going to be an anchor, I don't think anybody, even the most pessimistic person about how this team would perform this year could have predicted what an albatross he has been. And you're talking about Bo Horvat, you know, possibly winning the Richard this season. Does it not feel like if they don't trade him, uh, before the deadline to get something back. Like there's a real possibility that despite the fact that he has been the consummate Canuck, the best guy you could ask to represent your team in a progressive market like Vancouver, who's very careful in his words, gives very thoughtful, smart, and emotionally intelligent answers on difficult cultural questions. He has been the guy, and now he's the guy on the ice this year. It's the most Canuck thing ever. You're talking about the most Canuck outcomes. The most Canuck outcome is to think that JT Miller is the heart and soul of your team. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. Only to commit all that money and watch the actual guy, Bo Horvat, walk out the door instead. Yeah. Like, that's the most Canuck outcome. You just, you knocked that out of the park. Like, you took the words right out of my mouth. It drives me crazy when people are like, JT Miller is the best player on this team. Wrong. That's Elias Pettersson. JT yes. Miller is the heart and soul of this team. Wrong. That's Bo Horvat, who is handpicked yes. and trained by the Sedins. And like, like you said, he gives such thoughtful answers, which frankly, I never expected from a guy who was like a born and raised London Knight. Like he has been the consummate professional. He has answered tough question after tough question for the entire time he's been here. He never shies away from media after a bad game. And the way that he was treated by fans at the start of the season was appalling. And this man is now on pace for 66 goals. And and if he leaves, does it not feel that as the management group and ownership talk about building and adding pieces year over year, that as they may be doing that peripherally by adding junk like OEL or, uh, you know, JT Miller on some level too, who's been garbage this year on the whole overall, 
you know, they're also at the same time as they're doing that, hollowing out the actual heart of this team by letting guys like Tanev and Toffoli and Markstrom and and possibly now Bo Horvat walk out the door and Troy Stetcher too. Don't let me forget him. He was Troy certainly a fight tonight. Player. Um, you know, the, it feels like the actual soul of this team is getting gutted out of it as they continue to add pieces. Um, and it sucks. It sucks to watch. I I understand um letting Markstrom go and thinking that Demko is the guy and not wanting to commit that money to to Marky. I get that. I was um, extremely pro that. I will I will admit that. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. And he hasn't been good this season. But you but you can't deny also that like a lot of the leadership yeah. of the team is just gone now yeah. and whatever steps that were being taken to build that kind of culture that Kevin Bieksa was talking about a few years ago took just dramatic steps off a cliff yeah. after that off season. And, and I feel like that's what we're heading for again, this off season. If Bo Horvat is gone from this team, because do you, do you think Elias Pedersen enjoys being a Vancouver Canuck? And I don't want to steal this conversation. I know Halford and Bruff had it. Uh, about a number of Canucks last week, but but really, like, and you look when you look at his demeanor, he he still loves being an NHL player, and he still loves making creative plays on the ice. But it really feels like the the day to day of being a Vancouver Canuck, uh, not in this market necessarily, but under this ownership group, let's say, has just kind of worn on him. He doesn't seem like the same guy. Even as he's gotten better as a player, it feels like he's taken, uh, he's become more removed as a person. In a yeah, way. there's definitely been a shift in the way he connected with the fan base and with the media in the yeah. first couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, yeah I, like, I think that's an unfair criticism on some level too. But like, it it does feel like the fun of playing for this team and being a part of this group keeps taking a hit when the guys that are such important glue players in the culture of this group keep getting taken out of it. And, and I, and if you lose your captain again, this off season, like I just, then, then yeah, you may as well blow it up. Right. Because what, what do we even have here? Uh, like some really strong pieces, definitely some of the best that the franchise has ever had in Patterson and Hughes. But if you can't surround that, if you can't keep the actual uh, support staff that is making this thing tick like a clock, then you don't have much ultimately in the end. And I'm not saying that you should trade Pedersen or Hughes or, you no, know, you're, you're saying get rid of Garland, rid of OEL. And, yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anything Who that's are, not yeah. other than those two guys. Just, you know, if, 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 if you lose Bo Horvat this off season and I'm, Hey, maybe you can trade him at the deadline and recoup all the assets that you should have got for JT Miller. But then you've made the, the decision that you're keeping Miller and losing Horvat, which is such a horrible decision. They need they need to trade JT Miller before that no trade clause kicks in next year. This is it. Yeah. I don't know I, who you find to do it, but you do it. Maybe the Islanders still want him. He's um, still he's still on like a point per game pace. Just pick some East Coast team that doesn't watch them play, has like no qualms yeah. about him not playing defense. Find, find Just needs market. somebody to score. Find the market who have the most writers who gave JT Miller Selkie votes and then send him to that city and yes. have them feel like the biggest morons of all That time. is actually genius. That is actually <laughs> genius. Um, I actually think what we need to start doing is a Canucks Twitter fan campaign to start talking about how good he is defensively and yes, uh, just, just drive up his trade value. 
Yeah, I know. And you're right, because nobody would watch the games out west to yeah. actually confirm if that was true or not. So, yeah. And, and Canucks Twitter is so powerful, so uh, highly uh, regarded in infamy, I guess, <laughs> around the league by media people in particular, that like, if there's one thing that we've learned uh, from online, certainly in fan campaigns over the years, it's that bullying works. And if we just tell the 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 rest of the league that this guy he's just so good you just you know candidate exactly he look at absolutely a 1c he's not a winger you want this guy we can still we can make this happen yes i'm with you all right um we are going to switch into our third topic. Uh, if you're here with us, thanks for joining us. Uh, hit like, subscribe, follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Morris, follow at SDPN Sports. Don't follow me. I'm really annoying. Um, and I'm actually not going to tell you my handle. Um, I'm everywhere. Don't worry about it. Our third segment, I want to hear from the chat for this one. The quintessential Vancouver question is... Which goalie is the number one? And we have not had a proper goaltending controversy in a very, very long time. Like, I'm talking, I used to sit in the stands chanting for Bob Asenza to play instead of Felix Potvin. I am talking like wanting Alex Alds to play over Dan Cloutier. I like, do we, oh, and- how could I forget the quintessential one? <laughs> I, I think, though, obviously, yes, Schneider and Luongo is the biggest controversy in the history of the position in this market. But I do feel like the Kluche-Ald comparison is apt. Yes. And, and it's sad that that is where Demko's game is at this season, that I feel like it's a fair comparison to call him Dan Kluche. But, uh, Dan but Kluche you know, was a good regular season goaltender. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and very <laughs> handsome guy, definitely. And made, made sometimes made some show-stopping saves like you wouldn't believe. Highlight real stuff, for sure. Actually, my favorite Dan Cloutier moment is when he got in a fight uh, with Scott Mellonby. But but uh, the, the point that I was really driving at here is that the success of Spencer Martin kind of does feel like an Alex Ald story, right? Absolutely. The guy that you acquire in a like minor league trade who comes up out of nowhere and shows that he does have some NHL stuff. Uh, after all, This it does sort of feel like that. Um and yeah, I, I can't I can't read the chat, unfortunately. I can't see what the people are saying, but I'm sure that the folks have some takes. Because, I mean, I think it's clear what Bruce Boudreaux thinks right now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, he clearly thinks when his job is on the line, when he needs a result to remain employed in the National Hockey League, who is he turning to? We've seen it. It's not Thatcher Demko. It is Spencer Martin. Yeah, so far we've got one vote for Martin. Us. We've got Cody Sievertson saying... Mikey DiPietro, who got sent down to the ECHL today. Uh, we've got somebody saying, I still think Demko is the number one. Honestly, Martin's solid backup one that Halak wasn't. Kluche had zero clutch. Yeah, I think we all can remember Nick Lindstrom's 90-foot goal. Don't want to think about that one. Lot, lot of votes for Martin. Lot of votes for Martin. I think this is a fair point. Demko is still number one, but the team just doesn't play well in front of him and just leaves him out to dry. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they play that much better in front of Spencer Martin overall either. I don't think they look at the fact that it's not Demko in there and think, 
oh, well, we really need to play responsible in front of this guy because he can't bail us out. Because if they could do that, they'd be doing it when Thatcher Demko is in that right now, too, because they would be looking at each other and saying, Thatcher's not his Thatcher self right now. We need to maybe play like Martin's in there in front of him for once. You know, like, I, I don't think that it's psychological like that necessarily. It's just kind of luck of the draw. And obviously backups get easier assignments on the whole overall too. So that's sort of helped with his results as well, but he's also been thrown into the fire in some very tough games and uh, done okay in them, you know, better than you'd think of a, of a backup and certainly probably better than Thatcher Demko might in those situations, given what we've seen from him this season. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I actually don't even think Martin has been that good. And that's not to say he hasn't made big saves when he need when he's needed to, but overall, it's not like he's playing outstanding goaltending. Oh, yeah. They just seem to not lose in front of him. His his, his uh, stats outside of his you know wins and overtime losses uh, record are not that good. No. Not very much better. Not far removed from where Thatcher Demko is at right now. And one guy you know, is what we we would think playing out of his mind, playing over his head, and the other is playing well below his level. So, uh, you know, ultimately, yes, like I said earlier, Thatcher Demko is still the guy who's going to take you as far as you're going to go if this team really has turned it around and can play at the level that was expected of them coming into the year. He's not there right now, but it feels like the rest of the team kind of is, um, if not, you know, the defense, which sort of is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I think Demko is unfortunately a bit of a victim of how well he's played the last few years instead. It's like we all came in expecting him to play out of his mind like he did the last two years. You know, everyone said Thatcher Demko in the bubble against Vegas, not sustainable. That's actually not true. He's played at that level for two years. It's just that he's now suddenly playing back to earth. Don't know if that's a confidence thing. Don't know if it's the surgery he had in the offseason. But, you know, I think we've all always known that you can't rely... It's a very poor strategy to rely on your goaltender having to play at that level every night for your team to compete. It's it's super rare even like, you know, you think of a goalie uh, like Ryan Miller or, or um, you know, Roberto Luongo, these guys who would, you know, and Luongo is obviously super elite. We watched him go into the Hall of Fame last week. I don't know that Ryan Miller is necessarily bound for the Hall, but he's also a guy who consistently year over year was even around that 915 range, like that's so hard to find, right? Yeah. Like there are so often goalies who will play at this unreal level and then have these extremely subpar seasons and, and they can still come back and be good again. Jonathan quick has, uh, you know, had that kind of yo-yo career in Los Angeles, I think overall, but um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that this is like, that this is the proof that, that the Thatcher that we all thought was elite was a mirage and he never was that blah, blah, blah. Like he has been, outstanding people think of him as an elite goalie because he's shown that he can be that he's not that right now can he get back there yeah I think very much he can does he need help though defensively and systemically from the group in front of them there's no question about that like he can't do it all on his own he shouldn't have been expected or asked to do it for the last two years and you know this is just reaping what you sow unfortunately and and Jim Rutherford knew that this would happen. Like, even before the fall, what did they spend all summer saying? And I don't mean the fall like the autumn. I mean the way this team fell off a cliff. What would they, What were they saying all summer long? We weren't necessarily fooled by the hot run. We're not completely bought in on this team being what it was after the Boudreaux. He said bounce. this team was going to compete for a playoff spot in two to three years. 
He said that goaltending papered over the problems, which is what we've all known. Even they knew it. They can't be surprised by this. Yeah. They should ultimately feel guilty that they weren't able to make the defensive moves that they wanted to until, you know, a good month into the season with the Ethan Bear trade. And 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 that's just a start. You know, there's so much more still to do on that back end. The defense yeah, I think, is really, really bad. I think the the comment that they were the defense is certainly adequate if they're healthy is the most <laughs> generous interpretation possible for that blue line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, one last question before we wrap up for the night. Clay said earlier in the chat that he would start Spencer Martin in Vegas and play Demko in San Jose. What do you think of that? Well, I would worry about the message that that sends to Thatcher Demko, you know? And and maybe maybe if you're playing for points, if you're playing to try and get this team into a rhythm and, and, and really, uh, you know, show what you can do and try and cement yourself in some job security again, if you're Bruce Boudreaux, that is the play that you wind up making because Hey, like nothing would surprise me in terms of Spencer Martin starts anymore. Right? Like yeah. I, we were surprised that he got the start in Buffalo last week and they win that game. We are surprised that he gets the start tonight. They win that game. If you really want to keep this role going and, and see, if this team really has turned the corner, then you might want to give them the more steady of your two goalies right now, which is unfortunately Spencer Martin. And then you do make that move, but you know, they did cut over to the bench multiple times during the broadcast night, Sam and showed, uh, you know, Spencer Martin kind of uh, chewing gum with a Chris Levesque like intensity this evening. You know, he didn't look like a guy who was happy to be watching from the bench, especially watching his backup, hold them in a game that maybe he's thinking the same thing that the fans are thinking is this game tied do they have a lead if i'm playing right now and i just wonder if that intensifies if you sit him out um and don't let him get that second crack because he's shown you just in the past week that he can be great he was great against los angeles i think he deserves a shot at redemption uh against the knights on saturday and i think you owe it to him to give him that chance as well I agree with you. I'm actually, I'm going to disagree with Clay. I think, I think you need to give Demko the chance to be the Demko who, who absolutely shut down the Knights in the bubble. And I think he's capable of doing it. And I think to the extent that he is an absolute competitor, not playing tonight, not playing tonight, I think is going to light a fire under, under Demko. I think so too. All right. Thanks for joining us on the stream tonight. Uh, follow Justin at Justin Morris. Uh, the Canucks play the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday, and we'll be back to cover that game then. Have a good night, guys. Bye.